When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For the month of March, I'm taking a break from recording new episodes that I can highlight some of the other fantastic podcasts that I've had the awesome privilege of being a guest co-host on. For this episode, I'll be replaying part of an episode of Totally Rad Christmas with host Jerry D. This was actually the very first time I was asked to guest co-host on another 80s-themed podcast, and Jerry and I became fast friends. Totally Rad Christmas doesn't just cover 80s Christmas movies. Jerry talks about holiday TV specials, Christmas songs, toys, decorations, and well, as his logo states, if it's Christmas in the 80s, he's got it covered. So get ready to get reacquainted with Riggs, Murtaugh, Mr. Joshua, and decide if we're getting too old for this as Jerry D. and I discuss Lethal Weapon from 1987 on this special Totally Rad Christmas replay episode of the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. Mel Gibson's a lethal weapon, a cop who's always giving his partner a hard time. What you got in there? Boy and Smith. A lot of old timers carry those. And always ready for a good time. Hey, you want to see crazy? I'll show you. I love this job. This is so exciting. They say you're the best. Nobody can touch me. Mel Gibson, Danny Glover, lethal weapon, rated R. Hello movie viewers and movie lovers, my name is Tim Williams, the creator and host of the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. On each episode, I'm joined by an 80s Flick-loving guest co-host to talk about one of the great and sometimes not-so-great movies from the 1980s. From blockbusters to cult classics to lesser-known treasures we discovered on cable TV or the now-defunct video rental stores from our childhood. No matter which 80s flick we choose for each episode, we have a lot of fun sharing first-time watch memories, discussing our favorite iconic scenes, and even learning some behind-the-scenes stories about the cast and crew along the way. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe and follow 80s Flick Flashback on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your favorite podcast platform is. And while you're there, leave us a stellar written review and a five-star rating. You can also support the show by following us on our social media pages. Just search for 80s Flick Flashback on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And don't forget to check out our website, 80sflickflashback.com as well. If you want to take your support to the next level, you can become a financial partner for less than $10 a month. The link to financially support the podcast is located in our episode show notes. And while you're there, be sure to check out more fun facts and behind-the-scenes trivia we just weren't able to fit into today's episode. Thanks for listening. Now, on with the show. It was 1987. A Honda Civic averaged $6,195. Brave Star figures were released. The search for Nessie revealed no evidence after a $1.6 million investment 
and Riggs and Murtaugh took on Shadow Company at Christmastide. I'm your host, Jerry D, with another episode of Totally Rad Christmas, the podcast that talks all things Christmas in the 80s. Toys, movies, specials, music, and fads. If it was gnarly during Christmas in the 80s, we got it covered. Now, joining me is a very special guest, Tim Williams. Tim, how's it going? It's going great. Thanks for having me, Jerry. I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I love Lethal Weapon. It's uh, It's been one of my favorite action movies, uh, well, since the 80s. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. Jingle bells swing and jingle bells ring. Snowing and blowing a bushels of fun. Now the jingle hop uh, And I was probably too young begun. to watch it, but I did anyway. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. Because <laughs> it was Same. the same. We could do that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. But what's your history with Lethal Weapon? Like, like what are your general thoughts on it? Uh, well, it's been one of my favorite action movies for a long time. I mean, it, it, it's up there with, you know, one of the ground groundbreaking action movies, definitely of the 80s. And so um, I remember this and I, I was trying to think, did I see this in the theater? Because I did see, you know, my, me and my dad, we liked, you know, action movies. I remember seeing all the Steven Seagal movies. Well, all the first ones that were actually kind of good yeah. in the movie theater with him. <laughs> and uh, I'm pretty sure I saw Die Hard in the theater. And nice. I couldn't remember if I saw Lethal Weapon in the theater, but I know that like we were late to the VCR game, like owning a VCR. Oh, I got you. And, mm-hmm. and so, but I remember once we bought a VCR, this was like one of the first VHS, like official movies that I actually owned. So nice. I've seen it so many times, uh, even watching it again, you know, for the podcast, it's like, I'm saying lines before they come up because I just, <laughs> I know this movie so well. So uh, so it, it's very close to me, very close to my child. Like you said, I saw it way too young. There's a lot of stuff in this movie that I should not have seen at the age I was. <laughs> right. But, you know, it, it's still it, it's still great. It's it's great writing. It's great action. It's great directing. Uh, Mel Gibson is fantastic in it. That's what made me a big Mel Gibson fan. Yep. So uh, so I'm excited to talk about it. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> yeah, this is one. Uh, it's a Shane Black film. So right away, yes. that tells you something. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he, yeah. He wrote it right out of UCLA. This was a, a script that he did. And I guess his original script was actually much darker. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Um, you know, they kind of the executives kind of played with it. And then they introduced Richard Donner to it. And he loved it. He loved the updated touches. And so he decided to go ahead and direct and it, uh, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, you see Richard Donner, uh, his name on a project and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. this is, this is going to be a good movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. And and it, it's the same thing. I mean, it, it applies here. You know, as soon as I saw Richard Donner when I was little, I was like, ooh, that's awesome. That's the Superman guy. You know, that was like <laughs> yeah. where I knew him from, <laughs> Superman. Uh, right. So, so it was definitely like like a stamp of like, OK, I'm in for something special here. Oh, yeah. And it really delivered. I think it kind of revitalized and really kind of um, made the whole buddy cop genre you know, mm-hmm. brand new and and just like a thing to be copied. You oh know, yeah. Be- before then, you didn't really have this kind of mismatched uh, partners trying to take something down. You know, like mm-hmm. you think about like the French Connection and and uh, Gene Hackman and and uh, Roy Scheider were, were basically the same guy. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, if you think about it, and you know all, all that and ca- even silly things like car 54 where are you you know those they were the same guy as well you know i mean it might as well have been the same cop just two of them oh yeah but in this case i think riggs and murtaugh uh, you know um mel gibson and, and um danny glover are so different that mm-hmm. it it really plays off of of th- that that dynamic plays off each other very well and mm-hmm. so it, it makes you want to watch more oh yeah it was definitely the odd, putting the odd couple in a kind of action movie kind of putting those two things together 
really worked well. And, and like I said, I think Shane Black was great in getting those, that dialogue, that banter between the two of them, which really makes it still a great movie today. It's, it's aged well. Like it doesn't feel Mm -hmm. as dated as you would think uh, when you go back and watch it. I, I agree completely. I mean, it's definitely an 80s movie, but at the same mm. time, it, uh, it it does feel like you could watch it anytime and it still holds up. Yeah. Whereas like a lot of other movies, and I love the Terminator with, with you know, <laughs> I, I passionately love the Terminator, but, right. you know, you go to that dance, that rave club. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> you know, that's like super 80s. It's, it's Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not quite the same, you know. No, no, yeah. But originally, um, I mean, it was a casting director, Marion Doherty, who suggested that, uh, you know, that Danny Glover be mm-hmm. Murtaugh because it, there was no ethnicity specified. You know, he right. wasn't white. He wasn't black or Asian or, you know, whatever. It was just mm-hmm. Murtaugh. And so she thought this would be really good for him. And I guess apparently they were so good together that um, that Donner said that he was in seventh heaven afterwards, that they found the innuendos, they found laughter where he didn't even realize it was laughter. Yeah. And uh, it's it's one of those um, those special moments, you know, when, when you, you catch lightning in a bottle, I suppose. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, the chemistry there is is very evident even early on. I mean, you can tell that they don't really get along, but you knew kind of even, even back then, you knew they were going to, it was going to gel eventually because they, they, they worked so well together, even though they were kind of the odd couple, as I mentioned before. So, yeah, but Glover and, and Gibson were fantastic. That's great casting for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And before this, I mean, I kind of knew Mel Gibson from like Mad Max, mm-hmm. um, but that's really the only thing I kind of knew him from. I, you know, I, I didn't, I hadn't followed his career. I mean, I, it was just something that was like, yeah, okay. It's that guy. Yeah. I remember that guy from the, crime yeah. movie, you know, <laughs> uh and and danny glover i knew he was in uh i think it was the color purple mm-hmm. um but again it's not like he was someone that i was i would have recognized like just off the top of my head you know i knew Arnold mm-hmm. schwarzenegger i knew sylvester stallone you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i knew eddie murphy right uh, right but i didn't really know like danny glover and so uh I, this is like the movie to me that kind of even though they had they both had established careers this was like their that put them over the top for, for yeah. me as an 80s kid you know oh yeah yeah i think <laughs> this was definitely mel gibson's breakout role i mean he had the mm-hmm. mad max movies but those were kind of you know imported from australia and he right. still had the real thick uh australian accent yeah. and i thought it was funny watching it today um there's a few spots at the beginning in that uh that drug <laughs> scene where he's uh, at the christmas tree farm where that australian accent just peeks, just peeks out just out, a little yep. bit <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I was like, oh, okay, I, I don't know if I caught that the last time. Maybe I have, I didn't remember, but, uh, but you know, it's still there, but yeah. You want it all? Yep. He wants it he all. He wants it all. <laughs> Beautiful. All right, congratulations. Maybe a nice six-footer to put it under, huh? <laughs> you want a tree? Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I'll give you the best tree I got in a lot for nothing. Hey, thanks. But Danny Glover was completely new to me. I mean, I didn't yeah. see the color purple until much later. Uh, so he, that was just a totally fresh new character for me. I know we haven't gotten as far down the list of uh, actors, but I didn't realize until I just watched this probably two Christmases ago that Darlene Love was playing his wife and that she was a sing- you know, famous singer. Like I did not put that together until her name popped up. I was like, oh, Darlene Love. I know that name. And I'd seen that movie however many times and didn't realize that, you know, this uh, famous singer that sang a backup for Elvis Presley was playing his wife. Like, I just knew that as Murtaugh's wife. And Murtaugh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
it's it's funny because later on you know lethal weapon i mean it became a franchise i mean it, oh, yeah. it made like 100 over 120 million off a of 15 yeah. million dollar budget so i mean it, it became like pretty huge and so once we start like adding all these different characters um a lot of them it's like oh i know that guy. i know that guy oh i know that one you know <laughs> all uh, right renee russo in part three you oh know, yeah the, um joe pesci in part two and and mm-hmm. all the rest and right uh, and then i think in part four they even add uh, chris rock yep exactly yeah and so it's just it's one of those like they just kept adding and building on everything and i really appreciated it as someone who like loves like comic books and and that kind of you know mythology building mm-hmm. uh, i really appreciated how they just kept going you know with that world and and they they kept everybody Mm-hmm. Which, oh know, yeah yeah uh, is hard to do i mean even look at marvel you know they they replaced uh, um uh you know Rhodes. you know uh, what's his mm-hmm. name uh, terrence uh, howard. terrence howard in the first one right yep. yeah you know so it's like all these little things you're like wait that's not the same guy but i love how <laughs> they they kept it and i don't know why but joe pesci's blonde hair works <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, definitely man. i don't know if that was his choice but it was interesting choice for sure so. <laughs> it was definitely unexpected yeah I, that's i wouldn't have guessed that no and, and i love his character uh i know it's he's not in this film but you, right you, you can't talk lethal weapon without talking joe pesci and leo yeah. gets leo gets whatever you need leo yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah leo gets yeah <laughs> i won't repeat the uh, famous drive-through uh dialogue in the back of the car from lethal weapon 2 but yes <laughs> we all know that you know that part Yes, it's, it's, it's definitely a good part. <laughs> and now, these messages. Hello, 80s Flick lovers. I just want to take a minute and say thanks again for listening to the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. I hope you're enjoying this episode so far. Sadly, we don't have any shout-outs to new buymeacoffee.com members this week. But I want to encourage you, if you haven't already, to support the podcast on a monthly basis through buymeacoffee.com. We have three tiers of support to choose from. You can be a Cult Classic member, which is only $5 a month, a Be Kind Please Rewind member, which is $10 a month, or you can go big by choosing to be a Box Office Blockbuster member for $15 a month and receive an official 80s Flick Flashback t-shirt. All members on any tier will receive a free logo sticker, so don't miss out. You can also leave a one-time donation for $5 or more if you choose. Just go to our website, 80sflickflashback.com, or the link in the show notes for more details and to start your subscription membership today. We will always offer free episodes and we will never put any of our past seasons or episodes behind the paywall. But it does cost money to keep the podcast running. Since the creation of the podcast, I've personally paid monthly for the website, the Zoom account, various movie rentals and streaming subscriptions, marketing tools, and other miscellaneous expenses that pop up from time to time. If you love the show, then please consider being one of our subscription members through Buy Me A Coffee. Every little bit helps and will be greatly appreciated. You can also support the show by buying an official logo t-shirt, sweatshirt, or sticker from our online store. There are multiple styles and colors to choose from, so go check out the selection on our website as well as the link in the show notes. If you've been listening for a while, you know I've been moving away from buying digital movies and going back to buying Blu-rays and DVDs of my favorite movies. If you'd like to help, you can find my Amazon wish list at the link in our show notes. There are movies there priced from $5 to $40, so feel free to purchase one or more. (laughs) I'll even give you a special thank you on TikTok and Instagram when the movies arrive. 
Hey, if you love 80s pop music and movie soundtracks as much as I do, you can also find the 80s flick flashback movie songs mix playlist on Apple Music. It's full of hit songs like Eye of the Tiger, Flashdance, What a Feeling, and Danger Zone, as well as deeper cuts from the 80s flicks like Lost in the Shadows from The Lost Boys, Only the Young from Vision Quest, and Cool Rider from Grease 2. This would have been my ultimate movie soundtrack mixtape growing up if I could have found a cassette to hold eight hours worth of songs. So it's perfect for listening to on a fun road trip or if you're just stuck in a cubicle at work. Thanks again for listening. I really do appreciate every one of you and I'm amazed each week to watch the number of new listeners grow. It's because of you and your support that the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast is still going strong. Let's keep the fun going. Now, let's get back to today's show. So I guess we can just go ahead and jump right into the, the movie itself. Okay. So if we want to nutshell it, um, a cop who's on the verge of retiring gets partnered with a young kind of suicidal crazy cop and they take down a, a drug comp, a, a drug ring, essentially, mm-hmm. you know, that's like the nutshell version of it. Of course. Oh yeah. The, the full plot is a lot more intense, you know, mm-hmm. but I, I love it because, and one thing that I think Richard Donner is so great at is, is taking all these bits and pieces and and making it work so like you know we get the in the beginning with the the, the prostitute and and you know falling out of the sky and, and that kind of thing and mm-hmm. and then we we get like kind of a, a callback to that later on when Murtaugh is watching the tape of her you know and and so it's like a reminder that oh yeah everything that Hunsecker said about his daughter is you know it, it really was true and he wasn't just pulling his leg you know and so it's kind of one of those things that, that mm-hmm. I, I think he works in seamlessly you know because we didn't need to see it but it really starts the movie off on like a on a high note i think you know you're like what's going on there's that the michael came right. score with the strings and it's really kind of moving and you're like okay yeah. something's happening and then she gets up you know on the ledge and you know takes a dive mm-hmm. and uh we we come to find out and i know i'm, I'm kind of skipping ahead here but we come to find out that um she is the no daughter <laughs> of uh michael hunsecker who is uh, mm-hmm. roger murtaugh that's danny glover's character um he was like an old army buddy and he saved his life in in vietnam mm-hmm. and so that's how essentially they're pulled into this plot but we haven't even introduced mm-hmm. our main characters yet, I guess. So I guess I'll, I'll go ahead and do that. <laughs> um, Mel Gibson stars as um, as as Martin Riggs, mm-hmm. who was a Green Beret like sharpshooter. He can, I think he he even mentions there's a line in the movie where you know over a thousand yards he he makes a shot in like high wind. Only right, like eight or ten people can make that shot. Mm-hmm. You know, and so he's established very quickly as like not just crazy, but someone who's who's not to be messed with. Right, right. I think it's, uh, you know, from the little bit later when the kid notices the tattoo, he mentions a special forces special tattoo. Forces, so, yeah. so, yeah, you you know already that he's, you know, very elite in what he can do. Um, so, yeah, he, he his his part is established very well. I don't know if you know much about the different versions of his introduction that they filmed or they had written down. So uh, I like this introduction of him better than some of the others that, that they had written down. So. Yeah, I, I think originally he was going to be in like a, a bar fight and, and that's yeah. how we were going to be introduced to him. He was going to be like just drinking at a bar and mm-hmm. then um, some guys were going to come up on him and he just right. totally devastates them essentially. Right. And then <laughs> takes the, I guess he takes the bottle of whiskey or whatever he's drinking and the bartender says, you can have it as long as you never come back. And so that was kind of the, that was one introduction. And the other one, which I used to have the director's cut, uh, mm-hmm. I think it was a DVD 
uh, that I watched. And in that one, they have the other introduction where he's going to some school where there's, uh, I think there's some snipers that are like, have some kids held hostage. And he just kind of walks, he just kind of walks down kind of like this uh, alleyway and just starts pinning off all these guys just from his pistol. And it's, it's a very cool and intense scene, Mm -hmm. but for that to be his introduction, it's a little, it's, it's much more, like I said, it's more of the dark tone that Shane Black was going for at the beginning. So I like the opening now where we see him at the, uh, the Christmas tree farm and it kind of lightens that mood a little bit. So, (laughs) which is, I do love that Christmas tree farm scene. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The three stooges bit always gets me. So, (laughs) Yeah. And I always wonder because was that like, a Shane Black thing, or was that like a Mel Gibson thing? Because I can always, every time I, I think of Mel Gibson, I always think of him loving the Three Stooges, and I don't yeah. know if it's just because of this movie, you know, right, and, and of course right. this this whole series, or if that's really just Mel Gibson. It's it's one of those. Yeah. I I think at this point I can't separate the two. It's just, <laughs> <laughs> right. Mel Gibson loves Three Stooges, you know. Yeah, yeah. It could have been. Yeah, it could have been just a happy coincidence or a happenstance. But but yeah, I know he's definitely a big Three Stooges fan. So it's. I, I'm with you. I, I don't know which came first, if it was Shane Black's idea or Mel Gibson said, Hey, let me try it this way. And it just worked. So, but either way <laughs> it works great. So, yeah. So we're introduced to Roger Murtaugh, who's uh turning 50. He's going to retire from the force, mm-hmm. uh, at LAPD homicide. You know, his, his family gives him a pep talk and all that happy birthday, <laughs> that kind of stuff. We're also introduced, like you said, via this, this awesome Christmas tree scene to Martin Riggs, who's narcotics officer who's about to be transferred mm-hmm. uh, or he's put in a transfer um, because of his less than uh, well, no, how <laughs> should I say this? He, 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 <laughs> they want to transfer him because he's kind of reckless and right. people think he's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I'll just say it like that. Yeah. But he's there at the Christmas tree farm. And so he's making the deal, you know, he's like, this is great stuff. And <laughs> I love how, you know, they're like a hundred. He's like, okay. And he just takes out his wallet. And yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. 20s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, wait, I'm, I'm losing count. What are you talking about? Yeah. So I love that part. So yeah. <laughs> it's such a good part. Mm-hmm. Of course the, the crooks are like, oh no, a hundred thousand. He's like, oh, mm. I can't afford that. <laughs> yeah. No, my salary. <laughs> uh, and so, but yeah, eventually he, you know, he of course gets into a fight where mm-hmm. we've seen right away how he is uh, already. We see how he's, pretty amazing at his job mm-hmm. and and so he's like the young buck kind of you know and and i think in the script he's supposed to be 38 is what i read mm-hmm. uh, but mel gibson was only 30 when he played the part right right which is i just thought that was kind of interesting he's playing 38 year old because in the script also Murtaugh was 50 so it's really mm-hmm. only 12 years difference right uh, i always thought i always saw it as a lot larger gap yeah yeah uh, but i guess i really wasn't i don't know yeah, I think I think Gibson looks well. G- Gibson looks younger than he is, and even I think they said that uh, uh, Danny Glover was actually only forty or in his forties when yeah. he played fifty. So he definitely looks older. So you really, they really kind of <laughs> are polar opposites. Where he's really look, looking older than he does, and especially at the beginning, like I said, the the little bathtub scene where the kids come in, and he's got like the scruffiest beard. <laughs> yes, like he does. <laughs> I like. I know why you shaved it because if it looked like that, yet you know, if you've been wearing it like that everybody would told you to shave it off. So, but uh, I don't know if he was coming off vacation and just let it, let it grow wild or what. <laughs> I've done that before. And at this oh, yeah, point, yeah. I can't do that anymore. I got too many, <laughs> too many grays coming through. It's like, all right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Mine are coming through. I, I just trimmed mine. You can, nobody can see those on the podcast, but I had a little bit more bush, bushy beard uh, over the, 
over the holidays. And I just trimmed mine down a couple of weeks ago because it was just lots of gray. So, yeah, yeah. That's why I, I couldn't do it anymore. I, I had a goatee <laughs> for a while and I was like, nah, just forget this. And now it's starting to come through on the temples. And I yep. Think, okay, yep. Right. That's why I keep it real short on the side. <laughs> Smart. Yeah. <laughs> so Murtaugh goes to the station and this is where he's entered or he, he's kind of introduced to Riggs. Uh, mm-hmm. He sees a guy with a gun and he looks kind of shady. And so he immediately thinks he's, you know, a perp and he's suspicious. Mm-hmm. And so he goes after him and Riggs essentially takes him down. And that's when the captain's <laughs> like, Hey, meet your new partner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Great scene. Yeah. And he comes to find out that, um, you know, he's, he's playing or he, people think he's playing crazy so that mm-hmm. he can draw, you know, like psycho pension or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so he's not sure if he wants to do it. And of course, Martin's like, you know, either people think I'm faking it, in which case no one wants to work with me and I'm right. Or I really am, in which case people don't want to work work with with me. Yeah. Right. And he's like, either way, I'm Mm -hmm. I'm up a creek essentially. Right. So Murtaugh is like, all right, how am I going to work with this dude? Mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. i mean that's a hard a hard position to to be put in when, when someone's like that and you're still unsure not only of their sanity but i mean this is a guy who, who has a firearm and is responsible for, <laughs> for right. helping people right you know, that, that's kind of a scary bit there yeah and then looking from murta's perspective because he's looking at retirement he's like i'm i'm coming to the end i think he even has this kind of di- you know kind of self-dialogue of like I've, you know, I've been a good cop all these years and I've been hurt on the job, all these things, yeah, you know, I've, yeah. I've, I've, you know, I've, I've been straight in there. And then all of a sudden my last, you know, whatever, a couple of weeks or months, whatever, I get this crazy guy next to me. So it, and it's once again, it's, it's that great dynamic of, you know, the straight laced, I've done everything by the book. I'm ready to, to, to cash in the, the pension and, and live on my boat that I don't know anything about. We'll find out later. <laughs> he doesn't know anything about that book. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, and then they, you know, they, they give me this crazy guy that wants to kill himself and it's probably going to get me killed in the process. So how, what am I going to do? But at the, then you're dealing with that at the same time, but now I've got this old friend who I'm somehow pulled into this case that I've got to work this case and I'm going to work this case. I got to work this case with this crazy guy. So it's that great, you know, mix of all these different things that just pull you more into the story and more into the movie that you're just like, apart from all the action and, and the, the bickering, it just adds that new level of drama to kind of pull you into the story. At least it did for me. Oh yeah. Yeah. Same here. Exactly. Uh, it, I mean, it just, it works because there's, they're just such opposites. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, the straight laced guy and then the, the, the reckless, you know, rogue, I suppose mm-hmm. you could say. Right. Um, we, we find out, yes, that he was special forces that he's, I mean, he's like great shot. I mean, I love that scene where, you know, they're, they're in the target practice. They're like, Oh yeah. Down, all that stuff. And <laughs> I mean, you know, Murtaugh, he's like, he shoots, he's like, Oh, check this out. And it's like mm-hmm. some pretty good, you know, precise uh, groupings there. And mm-hmm. then of course, uh, <laughs> Riggs does his and he just like puts him to shame. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah. That's, you know, and, and while they're trying to like work it out, which, you know, they got the big earmuffs on. So I always wondered when, you know, when I was little, I always wondered like, how did they hear each other? Yeah. You've got the gunshots. They've got the ear there. I mean, they're, they're yelling at each other, but I'm all, watching it now. I was like, you're basically just yelling your entire case to everybody. To everyone. Every, yeah. Everybody can hear what you're talking about. So it's a good thing, you know, uh, there weren't any crooked cops involved in this right. storyline because they would have been on to you really, really early, but. It was a fun scene. It was a fun scene. Yeah. There's a lot of scenes like that. <laughs> oh man. Um, and we've also, again, come to find out that Riggs is, is suicidal because mm-hmm. his wife was killed in a car accident. 
Of course, mm -hmm. later on in part two, we find out that uh, that it wasn't an accident. That right. It, you know, it was actually done deliberately to scare mm -hmm. Riggs off the case. And uh, so, again, that that motivates him later on in part two, of course, to to take down the the, the bad guy. Right. Um, I, I we're also introduced, and and this is one of, I think one of the great movie henchmen ever is um, Gary Busey's Mr. Joshua. Yes, yes, this definitely. kind of revitalized Gary Busey's career as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, oh yeah, I, I remember him from Silver Bullet, which I, I loved. oh yeah, yeah, that, that one was great with uh, uh, Corey Haim. Mm -hmm. But you know, he um, in this one he's like the scary guy. Yeah, <laughs> and and we're shown that by you know he's meeting there with um, the general. General uh, McAllister, you're right. right. Gen General mm -hmm. Peter McAllister, which, by the way, is the same name as as uh, Macaulay Culkin's dad in Home Alone, Peter McAllister. <laughs> <laughs> I did not put that. I didn't put that together. That's awesome. I'm gonna have to remember that. <laughs> so, I wonder maybe it's uh, it's actually Kevin McAllister's grandfather. <laughs> yeah. It's a whole new universe we didn't know existed. That's true. So. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the Lethal Weapon, Home Alone, cinematic universe. <laughs> But yeah, so we're introduced to, to General McAllister and, and his henchmen. And I love the scene where, where we really kind of see how intense these guys are when he's, he commands Mr. Joshua to mm -hmm. you know, roll up his sleeve. And he essentially just grabs a lighter and, and burns him. And he just mm -hmm. sits, you know, he just takes it. Yeah. You know, that to me, I remember watching that thinking, this guy is bad. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's probably one of like, once again, having that VHS as a kid, that was the scene that everybody wanted to watch, you know, over and over again, because it's just like, of course, as a kid, you're not thinking about special effects and how the, the movie magic. And we right. thought that was, that was as close to real as you were going to get, you know? Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that, that's a, that's a very intense, but that once again, sets him up being, obviously he has a high tolerance for pain or doesn't mm -hmm. feel any pain at all. So uh, yeah, he was definitely, uh, great casting for Gary Busey in that role. And he really very stoic, very flat. I mean, he's not a very, he's not that dynamic, you know, uh, what do they call it? Mustache twirling villain where right. he's just, you know, it's so outrageous. It's very subdued and very just like, it's very I don't matter have to, of fact. Yeah. He's like, mm -hmm. I don't have to, act. he's almost the polar opposite of, uh, of, Mer of, of Riggs mm -hmm. because Riggs is so outlandish and just, you know, boisterous. And then mm -hmm. here's Mr. Joshua who's so reserved. So when they have that final, you know, battle, it's, it's really cool. So, yeah, which uh, I know it took them four days to film that. Mm -hmm. And uh, apparently it was four minutes longer and they, they yeah. cut it, they cut it down to, to yeah. the battle that it is. And it's just an all out brawl, which I really, Oh like. yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And of course we'll get into that in a bit. But... So we have our now we have our main villains we have our you know our, our heroes you know. mm -hmm. um, and this is where we kind of see how crazy um, Riggs really is because mm -hmm. they get the call there's a jumper and so they go yes. and they go to investigate the <laughs> jumper you know to to go try to help and Riggs goes up there to talk him down mm -hmm. but <laughs> instead of talking him down he like handcuffs himself to the jumper yeah. Yeah, you know, he's like, "Hey, you know, now you're gonna kill me too." This whole time, of course, on the bottom, they're like doing the the big air mattress kind of the air airbag, yeah, the airbag yeah. uh, at the bottom so that they can jump. And 
the guy is like, you're crazy. You're crazy. And he's like, come on, let's jump. And so mm-hmm. he just, they both, you know, leap off. He, he essentially leaps off with the jumper. And right. He's the instigator of the jump, <laughs> which is quite a different tactic from most. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, this is one of those things, I, I don't know if it's urban legend, if I dream this one day, but somehow in my memory, and I can't, I haven't been able to find it in any research I've done up to this point, I didn't dig too deep for this, mm-hmm. but um, somewhere I remember hearing that that was unscripted, that Mel Gibson decided to do that, to actually have him jump instead of kind of talking him down because he thought it was more in character. And once again, I'm able to find, I've never been able to verify that that's actually true. Like I said, I could have dreamed it or something, some right. crazy memory as a kid. But I still, every time I watch that scene, I still think about, you know, how crazy it would have been if they were in this, you know, filming this scene. And all of a sudden, Muggles like, you want to jump? Let's jump. And he just jumps with this guy, knowing there's an airbag down there. But it's still, I, I, once again, that's one of those scenes where you you took a situation that in every movie before this time, oh, you know, he's going he's gonna to talk him down. They're going to walk down the steps and it's all going to be good. Right. But for him to actually jump was almost like, you can do that. Like why, why, you know, that <laughs> it's, yeah. it just, it just took that. It, it, it made that turn that you wouldn't expect in a movie, which is why this was such a great movie. So, and it, it's so, it's so character developing because immediately mm-hmm. afterwards, then uh, Murtaugh takes Riggs inside like a, an empty store. Yeah. And he's like, like, you know, he kind of pushes him, he pushes him. He's like, Oh, you right. want to kill yourself? Do it right. You know? And he, right. you know, and he mentions how he has the hollow point, bullet you know mm-hmm. so that the, so that to, to really make a mess in there and make sure that he, he gets him so you know and right the, the reason he doesn't do it every morning is because he gets up to do the job to do the job yeah that's like like his literally his only reason for for not doing it mm-hmm. and so that's when murtaugh's like you really are crazy you're not you're not trying to pull psycho pension like it's it's mm-hmm. really you yeah shut up yes or no you want to die yes or no i got the job done what the hell do you want to answer the question oh what do you want to hear man do you want to hear that sometimes i think about eating a bullet huh? well i do I do. I even got a special one for the occasion with a hollow point. Look, make sure it blows the back of my damn head out. Do the job right. Every single day I wake up and I think of a reason not to do it every single day. And you know why I don't do it? This is going to make you laugh. You know why I don't do it? The job. Doing the job. Now, that's the reason. You want to die. I don't. I'm not afraid of it. I ain't afraid of it. Take my gun. Don't nibble on the barrel. Pull the trigger. Go ahead, pal. Be my guest. Go ahead if you're serious. You should tempt me, man. Put it in your mouth. Bullet might go through your, your ear and not kill you. Yeah, under the chin. Yeah, 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 under the chin. And so now he's kind of like, okay, I don't know what to do now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Which uh, again, you feel for Murtaugh because he's just this, you know, by the book, you know, wash and wear suit kind of guy and mm-hmm. just, you know, just trying to support his family and he's getting ready exactly. to retire. And now he's like, this guy is literally going to get me killed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it, uh, it, it's definitely one of those moments where like, okay, well now I learned a lot about Riggs. I learned a lot about Murtaugh. How mm-hmm. am I going to reconcile those t- these two guys? 
And of right. course, over the course of the movie, we start to see them bond, you know, and, and when he mm-hmm. saves his life and things like that. And yeah, but as I mentioned, he's contacted by Michael Hunsecker, who is his old mm-hmm. army pal. And so, uh, you know, he's like, Hey, I, you know, my daughter's, my daughter died. Can you investigate please? And uh, so he's like, okay. Um, so what do we have to go? And he's like, well, she was, um, she, she was involved in like drugs and uh, prostitution and pornography and like all these mm-hmm. bad things. And so they start to, okay, well, let's, let's find some witnesses. So they, they, at the hotel, they discover there was another, another prostitute named Dixie. Mm-hmm. So they go to, to check her out. And that's when the hotel or, or excuse me, not the hotel, the, uh, her house blows up. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they, they find a witness, which is a little kid, and, <laughs> <laughs> which is another one of my favorite scenes. Right. I love that he's wearing 3D glasses the whole time. That's... <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's like, he was painted, painted. Right. They, they realize he was a tattoo. Tattoo, and, yeah. Yeah. It, apparently there was a, like a, a, and I guess he's supposed to be albino, but he doesn't look albino to me, you know, Gary. Oh Busey. yeah. I didn't, yeah. I didn't think about that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, essentially, yeah, it's, it's Gary Busey's character went to the, you know, to plant a bomb underneath the porch. And so um, the little kid saw him. Mm-hmm. Alfie, right? Alfie? Alfred. 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 That's right. Yeah. Alfred. You don't tell him your name, Alfred. Yeah. yeah. And then he starts answering questions for him. Too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I love that scene. And I love, you know, once again, you know, once again, just showing how great of an actor that Danny Glover is, he has that scene where he's talking to the kids and it's like, now as a dad, I'm like, He's just totally being that dad character, yep. like, hey, kids, it's, you know, he's yeah. putting on the dad voice and, That's exactly, and yeah, you know, yeah. and just trying Let's to get, get to my screen. Yeah, yeah. He's trying to get down on their level. And and as a kid, I thought that was so cheesy and so corny. But now watching him, like, I get it because, you know, you're, you know, he's adapting to his environment. But yep. as a dad, he would like, you wouldn't want Riggs to, you know, to oh, ask no. him the questions. You know? <laughs> no, for sure. <laughs> so you've got Murtaugh, who's the dad, the family man who's able to like, talk to this kid on his level and get the information. So I thought that was, I, that just stood out to me a little bit more this time. So I thought it was great. I, yeah. And, and you're right. It's something that uh, as a, I never really put two and two together until yeah. Same thing. I had kids and it's like, Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. I, I understand exactly <laughs> what he's doing, you know, and like, all right, let's all go do this. And you get them so excited. You're like, okay, well now hold on. Before yeah. Not you, you Alfred. <laughs> yeah, before you do that, let me, let me answer, ask you a few questions. Um, but essentially he, you know, he tells them, you know, that they're like going through and he tells them that it was a blonde haired guy and, mm-hmm. um, and he had a tattoo and he points to Riggs tattoo is like, it was exactly like this one. I got a really good look at it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, so it turns out special forces tattoo, which uh, again, I thought was really cool when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it was just a cool tattoo, you know, with the, skin yeah. oh, yeah. the knife and the, you know, all that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so it was like a mercury switch on the bomb, special forces, they know something's wrong. And so mm-hmm. they need to go talk to, you know, to his old friend again, because mm-hmm. uh, I mean, this is like professional. So something's up. Yeah. It's a lot, it's a lot bigger than just a dead prostitute. It's, it's a much bigger scheme that goes beyond just her murder. They know now the dad is involved in some capacity. So exactly. Yeah. I mean, because at, at this point it's too professional for, mm-hmm. for them just, just to be a, a random. Right. Guess, you know, but I love the line at the, at the gun range, like this is thin. Oh, it's super thin, you know? <laughs> so that, that, that line continues as they get further, like real thin, right? Yeah. Anorexic, you know, anorexic. Just... <laughs> yeah. I love that. <laughs> that's, that's a good joke. Yeah. There's a lot of clever little, just little lines like that. That. Oh, yeah. In. I mean, yeah. it's just one of those where, uh, 
you know, uh, you real realize uh, Shane Black's ability to to sculpt the script with this one, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and just his way with dialogue. And you see it again later on when he and Fred Decker did the uh, Monster Squad. You know, yes, there's a yeah. lot of that in there as well. Oh course, yeah, oh, all yeah. the other Shane Black movies, uh, yeah, you know, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and all yeah. that stuff. I Last mean, Boy Scout. The la- yeah, exactly. There's all yeah. these lines that it's just wow. He interweaves dialogue so well, and mm-hmm. and it's so clever in so many yeah. ways. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, we we also um, get to see Riggs pick up a prostitute himself, but not for anything um, you know out of the ordinary, or, right? But for sinister so that, reasons. So that, yeah. yeah, exactly. Just so literally he can go home and watch Three Stooges with him, <laughs> and so that shows us again another aspect of his personality, which is that he's mm-hmm. really lonely. Yeah. Yeah. And so like he's starting to become more, at least to me uh, at this point, you know, he's really starting to become um, not just a, a really three-dimensional character but like um someone you can uh empathize with and Mm -hmm. and and really just feel sorry for because i mean he's he's kind of crazy he 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 is suicidal because of his wife and he's lonely and so what Mm. he needs is just that that stability that murtaugh provides and Mm -hmm. of course we see that at the end that you know he really does do that when when he's invited to christmas dinner you know right right so uh they go back and talk with with the the army bud and this is when it, it gets really cool uh, because <laughs> as they're, it's literally for the funeral of, of uh, his other daughter, which is kind of sad, but mm-hmm. you know, he admits that he was part of shadow company, which is like a, a secret U S not really government, but it was kind of like parts of yeah. government, parts of mercenaries. Army. Yeah, exactly. More, more mercenary type thing mm-hmm. that uh, began running heroin and, and dealing drugs. They essentially took over the, the drug uh, smuggling trade from um, from some Vietnamese. Right there, you go. They like they ran in. So twice a year they get like these big shipments, and so mm-hmm. you know he kind of helped cook the books and and do all that stuff. But he wanted out, and so as a way of like telling him no, you don't get out. They killed his daughter, mm-hmm. and so he's like, you know, they I have another daughter. You know, you can't protect her from these guys. Right and as he's saying that, he's drinking the milk, and this is like a, yeah, just a, one of the classic shots we see the helicopter with Mr. Joshua on it and he right. snipes him from the helicopter. Yeah. And yeah. So of course Riggs runs outside and like just starts shooting with his handgun, which I always, mm-hmm. I always thought was kind of funny. Cause what is a handgun going to really, right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he helicopter? Gets, yeah. He gets a few shots at the beginning when it's still kind of close, but then as it's going further out and he changes his magazine and he's just randomly firing, it's like, yeah, there's just, no way you're going to reach that. That's so. exactly <laughs> exactly right and 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 the one and i didn't think about this you know once again watching as a kid you don't there's no logic you just you take everything as it is but as i got older i was like couldn't rigs hear the helicopter i mean helicopters aren't that quiet i mean it 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 comes up so quickly and then you know start shooting but it's like you would have heard it in the distance it's not a silent helicopter that comes up all that's right yeah so so that that scene somewhat gets me. It's like, eh, you know, I think he probably would have heard the helicopter coming before then. But, you know, but that maybe I saw Commando too many times where uh, Schwarzenegger heard the he heard the helicopter when it was like five miles out or whatever. So uh, Commando is another really great one. Oh, yeah. Great action flick. That one I for used sure. to have. And, and I know we're going a little bit off topic, but, you know, it's not a, it's not a podcast if you don't go off. Topic. Exactly. You got to uh, chase, the, chase the tangents. I used to have uh, the, the three inch, uh, three and three quarters inch Commando figure. Of Arnold oh wow i don't know if you remember those uh, yeah those it was really cool you know and he oh, had wow. vest on and, and all the, <laughs> the weapons i mean it was it was a great great little figure but uh, oh yeah <laughs> um yeah so so there was that uh, and i think i i forgot to mention the part where they before they they go visit um 
before they go visit Hunsucker again, they go mm-hmm. to question um, Dixie's pimp and they find he's making, I think it's like a meth lab or something there that, that they find. And so they start firing and he ends up saving Danny Glover's life. Right. So that's oh, like yeah, yeah. Really, yeah. when they're first bond, you know, that's, yeah. that's like when they really first start to bond. Um, mm-hmm. So, so I, I forgot to mention that. But then, yeah, all this happens. Hunsaker dies. Um, and this is where we know something's really up. These guys, not only are they just professional, but like they're thorough. Mm-hmm. They won't tolerate anything. And if they're even, if someone's even close to being on their case, they're going to take them out, which they right. try to do again with rigs. Yeah. Yeah. With, with that drive by. Mm-hmm. Uh, which uh, it, again always makes me kind of laugh because like how did they know he was they, he was going to be right there right there yeah <laughs> i don't know yeah and then the other thing like once again putting the logic to it so they shoot rigs and uh what uh, murtaugh's across the street why didn't they just get both of them at the same time it's like they get rigs <laughs> they they rush off and then you know then they kidnap the daughter but it's all it's all part of the story and the plan but it's just that that i made me think about that when i was watching it earlier is like why didn't they just grab a you know Two, two guys on both sides of the car, the opposite end of the street. But once again, like you said, how'd they even know that's where they were going to be? So. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I'm going to assume they were following them yeah, or, or yeah. something. But, you know, it doesn't matter because it works. It's a, Exactly. It's, yeah. It's a great scene. You know, um, it turns out he was wearing a bulletproof vest, mm-hmm. which uh, is something you wouldn't think you wouldn't expect from him. Right. Exactly. That was the, that was a big shocker is like. He couldn't believe, you know, Murtaugh, I can't believe you wore a vest because, you know, you've been suicidal all up to this point. So, <laughs> right. you know, now you have something to live for. Okay. So that's once again, but that's showing that they're beginning to bond because now it's more than just the job that, that uh, Riggs is wanting to live for. So, right. Cause he does meet, he does meet Murtaugh's family. You know, mm-hmm. he, they, 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 he's invited to dinner and they have dinner together. And so he, he sees what like a nice loving family, you know, can be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i think he kind of he kind of misses that because of course his you know his wife passed away right but then we of course we also get that little bit where uh <laughs> where murtaugh's daughter kind of oh yeah yeah is dreamy and they make fun of her about <laughs> <it>. <laughs> she just dreams about him and they make fun of her oh yeah uh, yeah she's I, she's gazing at him at the table and yeah they're trying to get her to go to just get dessert and she's totally <laughs> phased out and then the little kids are making the little shame shame yeah uh, fingers at her at her yeah, that's a great scene. That's a great scene. <laughs> I think uh, uh, Riggs even says, "Hey, I think your daughter likes me." Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, He's, I think that's at the very end. He was like, "You know, you touch her, I'm gonna kill you." He's like, "Hey." <laughs> yeah, I think I think he says like, "You try" or something like that. Yeah, yeah, something like that. I can't remember the exact line, but yeah, he definitely. Yeah, but yeah, I didn't, and I think it's funny because a couple of times, like your know, Riggs kind of smiles. Not that I think he's trying to like you know pursue anything, but I just think he's. He thinks it's funny that this teenage daughter is like giving him the googly eyes or whatever, but it's just, he's just kind of like brushing it off. Like, you know, kid stuff. Yeah. So. Essentially. I mean, <laughs> cause I know the actress was 25, but I think right. she, was, she was only supposed to be what, like 17, 17. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think she was like to be a junior, like a junior in high school, I think something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. That's like, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but so so they fake uh, they end up say, saying that they're going to fake his death, you know, right. They're going to pretend like he like he actually was murdered. Mm-hmm. And uh, then they think that, you know, Shadow Company essentially thinks that they can now get to Murtaugh by mm-hmm. by kidnapping his daughter. You know, mm-hmm. that's like that's like their thing. Right. They use Riggs, um, you know, apparent death to their advantage. And so he's like yards just just out just oh out, yeah yeah you know with a yeah. sniper rifle mm-hmm. apparently was like one of the top of the line like brand new sniper rifles that had just oh yeah out. 
uh, which I, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know uh, that either. In fact, the stand, uh, they had to create their own stand because uh, the stand that was made to go with it uh, wasn't shipped with the actual equipment. And it's like a $10,000 oh, wow. rifle that, that they were using. <laughs> so, I mean, so yeah, they, they welded one to the to the actual rifle itself. It, uh, it's just one of those things you're like, what? Why? Right. Yeah, but but yeah, I mean, I guess it makes sense if they didn't ship mm-hmm. the stand with it. <laughs> hey, the show's, show must go on. I got to make something work. That's right. right. You got to make it work, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so they're out in like this, uh, the desert, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. And, you know, Murtaugh's like, all right, give me my daughter. And as they're there, Riggs starts just just taking them out one by one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's Riggs. He's not dead. You know, yeah, that kind yeah. Of thing. Uh, but they end up getting caught anyways, which yeah. is kind of a bummer. Yeah, which I thought it was interesting that the general is the one that finds Riggs so far away, which, once again, a little convenient, but I thought that was interesting. But that gives them the dialogue when he's walking Riggs back to the group where he's uh, Riggs is talking. He's like, you know, the Colonel McAllister, right? you know, I heard about guys like you. And they have this mm-hmm. little little dialogue, a uh, little, little more exposition about the backstory of who the general is. So I thought that was that was kind of an interesting way to do that. Yeah, it's neat how they they kind of they're like, yeah, your reputation precedes you essentially. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. I've heard of you, you've heard of me, kind of a thing, which makes sense. I mean, if he really was like a an important general, I mean, I think he might know or might have at least heard about the exploits of like one of their top snipers in, mm-hmm. in Vietnam. It makes sense. Yeah, uh, but yeah, that you're right. That was a really cool. Again, just another little thing that didn't have to be in there because it didn't really add anything to the scene, and yet it mm-hmm. added so much because now <laughs> yeah. we, you know, we 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 see how everything is kind of connected. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is where we get one of the coolest, um, the coolest like interrogation scenes, essentially. Oh yeah. Yeah. The, you know, the shock therapy. So Murtaugh, they're just, you know, he's just tied to a chair and they're just beating the, the pulp out of him. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but After he's already, he'd already been shot. He was shot in the desert. So he's already got a bad shoulder. Mm-hmm. And so they, and then they've got him tied to the chair. Yeah. Yeah. But, but Riggs is like hung up by, you know, he's, he's chained up his arms mm-hmm. over his head and just kind of hanging there with water dripping over him. And um, Al Young, one of the uh, like, like all time <laughs> character henchmen, bad guys. Yeah. <laughs> if it's an eighties movie and he's, a, and you see him, you know, he's one of the bad guys. So. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to hench, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah. So he is, he's tortures him. Mr. Joshua's like, you know, what did, mm-hmm. what did Hunsaker tell you? And he's like, nothing. He didn't tell me anything. It's like, I wish, wish I could believe you. Right. He's like, endo get him. And so he shocks him with these two sponge like things, yeah. which I never, I never got as a kid. I was just like, how does that work? But you know, right. Once I grew up, I was like, Oh, electricity. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense now, you know? Yeah. Hit him again. And uh, and Gary Busey's great in that scene because there's a few times where he's pushing Riggs towards him, but his hands are still on him. So every time there's that, you know, which we know now is like the fake electricity, he always jumps back with his hands like he got shocked a little bit. Yeah. And so that was a nice little touch from Gary Busey as like, okay, let's make this more as, as realistic as possible that, you know, if he's being electrocuted and I'm touching him, then I'm getting some of the shock myself. So I, I kind of called on, I took notice of that this time and thought that was pretty, pretty good. A uh, little, little, little touches of, of a brilliance as an actor. So. Yeah. And not just that, but he winces a little bit too. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Cause he's feeling it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Which yeah. lets you know, once again, how much power is going through Mel Gibson. 
or going through rigs right. for him to feel the aftershocks and it still affect him. So, yeah. Uh, but of course, Mel Gibson, uh, or excuse me, Riggs being the, the awesome, you know, the lethal weapon that he is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Right. Uh, he manages to break <laughs> Endo's neck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Essentially. And, and free himself. And then he's able to free Murtaugh and, uh, and Rianne as well, you know, Murtaugh's daughter. And so then, um, so they go after him basically, you know, oh, they, yeah. they realize, Oh, oh, Riggs is free. You know, stuff's going down. We got to get out of here. And mm-hmm. so, so they leave, they go after him and we, <laughs> we get a, a funny little bit where Murtaugh essentially just kind of, uh, faces down the general in a car. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, it's like like who like playing chicken almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But he gets it. Yeah, he shoots the driver, which then you know causes the generals trying to trying to uh, steer, mm-hmm. but he can't slow the car down and it runs up against the wall out into the uh, inter uh, the intersection and gets hit by a bus, which immediately launches the car <laughs> off of itself uh, off the street and that's and true. turns it upside down. So yeah, that, that happens every time. Yeah, yeah that, that's how <laughs> that's how physics works. I mean, that's I, I think that's what they taught me in high school. I'm not sure. I don't remember. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a physics major. That's, that's exactly how it happens. <laughs> uh, but then doesn't he like get blown? Like doesn't because uh, it's on fire? Doesn't a fire like cause the grenades to like blow up? Or yeah. Something? Yeah, because yeah, they. Had, yeah, yeah. I know every good bad guy knows that when he's being chased, he must he must pack his car with as much explosives <laughs> and drugs as possible, so that if he ever is in a car accident, the car has to blow up. <laughs> the I mean, car, that's, right? yeah, yeah, just that, might that's, as well. That's 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 a uh, bad guy logic. It can't go to it's jail. In, let's just right, let's end it. <laughs> it's in the handbook. You you sign you sign that last page of the handbook to know that these are the rules that you know. So yeah, that's, that's <laughs> right. You gotta tell them your plan when you have them captured. And then just right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and before you kill anybody, make sure you tell the exact the full plan before you kill the them. Plan so then, they know they know why you're killing them that's instead right. of just killing them. So. <laughs> and then just pack the car with explosives. Exactly. <laughs> and now these messages. What's up, dudes? I'm Jerry D of Totally Rad Christmas, the podcast that talks all things Christmas in the 80s. Toys, movies, specials, music, books, fashion, and fads. If it was gnarly during Christmas in the 80s. He's got it covered. Wait, is there a lot of things to talk about for the 80s and Christmas? Well, you got the movie giants like Christmas Vacation, Scrooge, and A Christmas Story. There are TV specials like Muppet Family Christmas, Claymation Christmas Celebration, and a Garfield Christmas special. Plus classics shown every year. You also jam out to Last Christmas, Do They Know It's Christmas, and Christmas in Hollis. But most of all, it was a time for the most bodacious, best-selling Christmas toys ever, like He-Man, G.I. Joe, Transformers, and Cabbage Patch Kids. Yes, them too. We cover them all, plus much more, including standard segments like Hap Hap Happiest Memory, Gagging with the Spoon, The Other Half of the Battle, and Chant with the Littles. So tune in to Totally Rad Christmas everywhere you get your podcasts. Turn the clock back and dive into those warm and fuzzy memories. Later, dudes. <sighs> what seems to be the problem, pal? There's just so much pain in the world, so many issues. I don't think I can bear it. Well, friendo, it sounds like you could use a dose of pop culture roulette. Pop culture roulette? What's that? Some sort of pop culture-themed podcast or something? That's right, sonny boy. When hope seems far, dive into some PCR! But I already get my entertainment news from Variety. Huh, that's pretty good. If you're a chucklehead, PCR gives you news you need, condensed, unfiltered, and raw, from three nerds who know a little something about something. 
Wow, okay, sign me up. That's the spirit. Pop Culture Roulette. New episodes every Monday, available on all major podcast directories. Comic books have been around for almost a century, and in the last two decades, we've finally gotten to see many of these characters brought to life in movies and on TV. On the Moving Panels podcast, we discuss movies and TV shows based on, inspired by, and adapted from the world of comic books. Join me and my guests as we discuss both the good and the bad from Marvel, DC, and even some of the lesser-known comic book companies. Learn what is and isn't from the comics, as well as our nerdy review of the movie or show. New episodes drop every Monday, and you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. So join us for Moving Panels, and I'll see you on the other side of the page. But Joshua gets away, Mm -hmm. and so they know that he's probably going to go after Murtaugh's family because Mm -hmm. of revenge and all that. Right. So they're able to, to go home while he's there you know which <laughs> i think he even he even makes a quip about how much he hates christmas or something like that while he's inside good morning sir tell me what day is it what day christmas oh yeah i think it well the the tv is on the tv's on yeah, yeah and i think it's, it's playing like christmas, you know, i think it's a christmas, christmas carol and they say what day yeah. is it what day is it and he's like it's christmas and he shoots the tv and he's saying, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um and, and so they surprise him there but essentially you know riggs is like i think i can take this guy mm-hmm. like like mm-hmm. let me have a chance at him i think and he says like like you want to you want a shot at you the wanna, title yeah exactly yeah, yeah that's the line yep yeah that's uh, such a good line yeah and then it's just a brawl and mm-hmm. um, I believe they they got like three different fight choreographers for this yeah, fight. They and, did, and, yeah. And each one had like a different fighting style. So there was the, mm-hmm. the capoeira. Uh, I think one was um, something that I had never heard of called Jailhouse Rock. Yeah, I saw that. And then the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, I think, Brazilian was the third. Jiu-Jitsu, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they just they wanted it to feel just different from like all the other martial arts, mm-hmm. um, which it does. I mean, it it felt a uh, very visceral, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, like you can feel every punch and every mm-hmm. kick like hit its mark and it just, it, it felt like powerful. Just oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. And this one, and I, and I, I kind of pay more attention this time and how it's cut. Cause there's a lot of cut, like quick edits and, and mm-hmm. especially at the very beginning and you've got the water and the rain, but it was like you said, it was, it was more of a real brawl. Like, if, I mean, movie fights can be very over choreographed, you know, you, yeah. you know, especially now with John Wick and all that kind of stuff where it's just, <laughs> yeah, you know, it, yeah. it's all choreographed where, you know, you block the kick and all that kind of stuff. This, they're just kind of really just, you know, going at it, like, you know, throwing each other on the ground and, and, you know, kind of close up hits. Mm-hmm. There's still some great kicks and some, you know, some of that martial arts there too, but it was more of like a real brawl. Mm-hmm. And I think I read that they were really, you know, they were really kind of hitting each other and really kind of getting into it. Uh, even during filming. And I think Donna was trying to get them to kind of, you know, don't kill yourselves. We got three more days of shooting this. And they were just like, no, we want this. We want to make this as real as possible. So they were really, you know, throwing some, some serious punches at each other and, and really trying to get into it. So, but it comes across really well. Like you said, it what that was a fight scene that I remember as a kid, like I've never seen anything like this yeah, in, a, in a movie before. So, yeah. And I remember, you know, you watch like enter the dragon and mm-hmm. uh, I mean, uh, even like you mentioned, you know, commando, I mean, of course, Arnold. No one's really fighting. <laughs> as tough as Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Maybe Sylvester Stallone, but you know, yeah, it's like how do you find like a viable bad guy for Schwarzenegger? You know, yeah, yeah. Um, but like even those fights, they didn't seem like this one here. Like like this seemed just real brutal, you know. Yeah, and they really yeah. got into it. Uh, of course, uh, Riggs wins, mm-hmm. and as they're taking Joshua away, 
he manages to overpower the, the, the policeman and grab one of their guns. And he's about to shoot him when both Riggs and Murtaugh uh, shoot first. And, and mm-hmm. Right. And so it ends of course, with uh, Christmas night um, or I don't know if it, if it's Christmas night, but you know, they're, either <laughs> they're celebrating Christmas, they're yeah. celebrating Christmas. Right. Right. And you know, he gives him the bullet that mm-hmm. color point that, you know, that shows that he's not suicidal anymore. Right. And it, I mean, it's just, it's a nice way to end it because it kind of brings it all, you know, around, you know, essentially mm-hmm. it's like you go from this guy who has really no idea what he has to live for except work to, to now actually caring about someone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I know uh, <laughs> they, they covered this on uh, this one on Tis the podcast last year. And I remember they argued they, they have a thing called a uh, Linus moment. Like, is there a, mm-hmm. a moment where like, you know, <laughs> the christmas feels kind of kind of right essentially right and uh and you know their guest argued that there's a linus moment here and i, and I think i agree with them i think there really is you know because he he does kind of turn around he mm-hmm. does essentially uh decide he has a reason to live yeah yeah and i think even Mortal says you're you're really not crazy are you and he was like no i'm not and, you know he kind of like now we've kind of gone through all this together. And I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm not really crazy. Or maybe I think he said it. Even like, I'm not crazy anymore. Or maybe I wasn't really crazy, but now mm-hmm. I'm not going to be as crazy as everybody thought I was. So, uh, yeah. which was, it, it's a great, it's a great moment. It's a great moment for the, for the end of the movie, for sure. Yeah. And, and it's funny because then you see that play later out in the, in the sequels. Yeah. So like in, in part two, like they're, they've, they've established basically that he's family now. Mm-hmm. He's a part of their family. You know, yeah. He's you doing know, laundry at their house. That's, and- a, that's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then same thing as you go further down the line, you know, it's like they, they've, they've grown close and then even Leo mm. gets in on that action, you know? Oh yeah. And, and he, even though they can't stand him, he's like, he's family. Yeah uh so it's it's one of those where i think this movie um really like this one in die hard i think kind of turned the corner for for action movies it wasn't just like the the unstoppable you know killing machine the unstoppable mm-hmm. force you know it wasn't stallone it wasn't uh chuck norris or schwarzenegger you know right. it was like it was kind of an everyman and and even though uh riggs was you know trained highly trained in special forces i mean he mm-hmm. still wasn't just this this commanding presence, you know, right, brute right. strength, you know. Mm-hmm. He kind of he kind of played with ideas here and there, and, and mm-hmm. he, you know he thought about things. Yeah, and even Mur, yeah, I say even Murtaugh having his moment when he kills the general. I mean, he's not a, I mean, he's a middle aged, you know, or, or you know, upper middle aged man, not in mm-hmm. very good shape, but he can still get the job done. So once like that goes to your point that it, it kind of showed that every hero doesn't look the same. They're they're not mm-hmm. all gonna be. Schwarzenegger than all going to be uh, Stallone, but they can come in different shapes and sizes and get still get the job done. So, which we see again with uh, Die Hard as well. Mm-hmm. Oh know? yeah, for and, sure. And Bruce Willis, you know, he's just a, a another Joe, you know, schmo kind of cop. Oh yeah, yeah, the everyman exactly, and he gets the job done as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I thought that was kind of cool because then, like after we have this, we kind of transition again later towards uh, the Steven Seagal's and the Van, mm-hmm. Dams, you know, and so now right. it's like more about martial arts again and and mm-hmm. while well, they're not all you know just hunking you know hulk like creatures right you know they're they still know all these fancy moves and things yeah and so for yeah. me lethal weapon and die hard they kind of form like like they're right in the middle where it's just it's it's anybody can can do this and if, especially if they're motivated to save someone you know that mm-hmm. kind of thing yeah. so it yeah it definitely um at least for me when i was a kid opened up the action genre to to people that weren't just you know like superhero like 
guys. You know? Right. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Going to what you said, it went from being brute strength to more skill where it was, mm-hmm. you didn't just have to be strong. Like I said, with the uh, Seagal and uh, Van Dam, they were skilled with the uh, fighting style. So then it became more that way too. So yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, the music was done by Michael Kamen. Uh, he's never been mm-hmm. my favorite composer, but I thought he did a great job, especially um, he had uh, so, so for the, he, and this is what I love. He actually takes uh, Eric Clapton and does, mm-hmm. like, a guitar kind of theme for, for Riggs. And mm-hmm. then he took David Sanborn, who's one of my yeah. favorite jazz guitarists and excuse me, jazz sax players. And, and right. he puts him for, for Murtaugh, you know? So it's kind mm-hmm. of like that, that back and forth between the two that don't really mm-hmm. work, but then they do. Yeah, 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 and absolutely. So I thought he did a great job there. Uh, of course, he went on to do um, Die Hard as well, and so mm-hmm. it's, you know it's kind of that that thing. He also scored um, when Metallica did that uh, that uh, S and M album, which was the Symphony of Metallica. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And he did the, all the orchestrations for that as well. So yeah, um, you know, very prolific before he his untimely death. Um, just. Uh, again never my favorite but he really i really like his score in this one it mm-hmm. just works oh yeah music in this definitely adds to those moments and uh yeah i love the eric clapton the guitarist you know all that you know sam Bourne and, and clapton having those two greats kind of helping yeah. out it doesn't hurt at all so uh but yeah it, it works really well for sure this was just yeah it's definitely one of my favorites uh, I love it. It's not the most Christmassy. I, I always think of more <laughs> of just a, an action movie set at Christmas. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, you know, but I think in this show, I, I'm pretty, uh, pretty loose with what counts as Christmas. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, like we'll be doing, uh, I'm going to be doing Invasion USA and uh, oh, yeah. Night Chuck of Norris. the Comet soon. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's as long as it's kind of kind of christmasy in a world. right if there's a christmas light somewhere in the background <laughs> that's it'll, right it'll make yeah. it. <laughs> we'll count it yeah <laughs> but yeah this is just this one was great it it uh it's very nostalgic for me because i remember it um as like i mean it was like a big thing growing up um when it came out i think i was i was seven because mm-hmm. it, yeah, it came out in march it was it was kind of an odd yeah. release yeah was, all the others of course came out in the summer and were like mm-hmm. big you know blockbusters right um but this one was was kind of an odd duck that almost flew under the radar until, mm-hmm. until roger ebert actually right you know recommended it and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden it people started seeing it and yeah it ended up doing major bank so, oh yeah <laughs> yeah um but you know I, it does make me wonder what would you say would be your hap hap happiest moment or memory of of lethal weapon well, I think we talked about this before we started recording. It's, it, I don't, like you said, I don't really associate it with Christmas that much. I've just started recently in the last couple of years thinking about watching it around Christmas time. And it kind of came up during that whole debate about is Die Hard a Christmas movie? And I was like, well, if Die yeah. Hard's a Christmas movie, then Lethal Weapon is as well. And for me, it's the music because the, the movie opens with uh, Jingle Bell Jingle Rock. Jingle Bell Rock, yeah. And mm-hmm. so, um, and I remember... I remember that being a song I heard as a kid because my dad was a big country music fan and nice. uh, that kind of worked in that kind of genre. And so that always grabbed me when the movie started is that here's this action movie that I'm, you know, once again, you probably saw in the summer or, you know, I didn't buy it Christmas time and watched it, but yet it started with this very, uh, you know, nostalgic for me Christmas song. And then it kind of morphs into something a little bit more dark and sinister, but mm-hmm. then it Christmas continues to play, uh, throughout it you know you've got the bugs bunny uh christmas special that's on the tv oh, right, yeah and uh you know christmas carol we've mentioned that already so there's there's all these little little moments throughout that's you know referencing christmas 
Uh, and we all know Shane Black. That's one of his. That's one of you his know, things. Yeah, that's one of his things. He's going <laughs> to set it at Christmas. And so, uh, so even like, and I'm a big music guy, so I have I, I like to put together playlists on my. Uh, my Apple music. And so nice. I was doing uh, every year or I've done this since I was in college, I'd make like a big Christmas mixtape or a mix CD. And now it's just a big playlist that I started right. with. Like, I'm just going to put a I'm just going to put a couple of Christmas songs on this playlist. And this past Christmas I looked at the bottom and it's like, this playlist will play for, you know, 17 hours and eight minutes, you know, it's just, yeah, yeah. it's just gotten bigger and bigger. <laughs> but I, I thought about this song when I added it a couple of years ago and I was like, I really have like almost a section where all these movies made me think of them. All, all these songs made me think of a movie. So when mm-hmm. Jingle Bell Rock comes on, I automatically go back to the opening of Lethal Weapon. I see the the lettering, the silver yeah. kind of 3D-ish kind of graphic that they had, which back then was like super cool. It was super um, cool, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so so that that even when I hear that song at Christmas, it takes me back to, to Lethal Weapon. So that's kind of my happiest memory of Lethal Weapon. Nice. Yeah, for me, um, I don't remember seeing it in a the theater. I don't think I did. Mm-hmm. But I remember when um, my parents rented it. Mm-hmm. And it was oh, yeah, one of yeah. those that, that, you know, again, I'm surprised I was allowed to see it. But, <laughs> um, you know, of course, we had to cover our eyes at certain points. Yeah, exactly. I was like, you cover know, your eyes, boys. Around. Okay, cover your eyes, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there was a lot of bad words, like, don't you dare repeat what they said. Right. But I just, I remember watching it with my family. And mm-hmm. um, my little brothers were too little. I think they were playing um, in the other room or something. But I mm-hmm. just remember sitting there and it was it was very cool. And I, I, we, I don't think it was around Christmas time that we saw it. Right. I just, I remember, um, I remember laughing at Bugs Bunny. I remember loving the three stooges bit mm-hmm. and just everything about it. Just, um, it, it was like, this is something different, you know, that kind of thing already. I knew it was something different. I'd seen commando. I had seen Terminator, which mm-hmm. again, I probably shouldn't have, but yeah, <laughs> uh, but just like I, it was something special. And mm. so I have that memory. Like every time it comes on, like you said, you, as soon as you see the lettering, it's like, you know, you're, all the the memories just kind of flood back and i just remember yeah. sitting on our couch and and um, and and watching it and and to, so to me that's like my my most favorite moment there you know just, yeah just that that sitting there with my family watching it yeah um, definitely and eventually i'll watch it with my son when he's older but he's four right now so oh yeah he's, he's got a, yeah. he's got a ways to go yeah, <laughs> yeah my sure. my daughter's 11 and so she's yeah she's she she barely ventures into pg-13 stuff now so she's yeah. got a long way to go before we get into this one <laughs> yeah 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 my my oldest is eight and same thing she yeah but i think she takes after her mom and her mom was is the first you know my wife is the first person to say mm-hmm. um you know that she's a weenie and she doesn't yeah. like stuff like that <laughs> so, so it's like ah, oh, i gotta watch yeah. all these whenever i can you know just, <laughs> exactly exactly but uh, um but now we come to my favorite part of the show which is a little <laughs> segment i like to call gag me with the spoon mm-hmm. so this is where we do our best impression of our least favorite part you know, it could be a, a bit of dialogue we thought was cringeworthy or maybe mm-hmm. just a scene that didn't quite land. Uh, not that we don't like it. It's just our least favorite. Yeah. Uh, as a guest, I'll let you go first. Just kind of set up the scene and, and we'll okay. go from there. Mine's really short and I was really struggling watching. I was like, I got to come. I got to find a, a part of this that's going to, you know, I'm going to be able to, to repeat. And when it happened, I was like, this is it, because this is the line of dialogue that I've never understood. I don't understand. I just don't get it. But it's when Murtaugh is being tortured. Mm-hmm. And he gets hit in the face and the line is, and I'll try to do it as best I can. Here we go. 
go spit. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. what does that even mean? Like, <laughs> that always is, is that supposed to be offensive in some kind of way? I just didn't understand <laughs> why go spit was supposed to mean something when he I've finished always wondered it out, about so. that. I've always wondered about that line as well. <laughs> so that's it. Go spit is my line. There that was go. good. That was a good impression. I tried. Too. I tried. Uh, that was actually, I had two just in case. And that was one of them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I'm going to have to go with my other one, which is when uh, uh, Murtaugh, he's talking to Riggs and he goes, um, I guess we need to register you as a lethal weapon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is like ah, uh, you know, a little, a little too about, easy. That's right. Like talk about shoehorning the yeah, <laughs> the line in there uh, somewhere. There was a script doctor in the back. We've got to work the title in here somewhere. Let's that's just, right. Just, that's right. Right. It, it here. reminded me of um, James Bond when um, when it's like Max Zorin. Uh, what's it? Christopher Walken and Grace Jones. And oh yeah, they're in the blimp, and he's like, "What a view to a kill." Yeah, oh, I mean, wow. you know, it's like a view yeah, that's to a kill. that's cringeworthy for sure. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> like ah okay all right i get it i get it that's the title um <laughs> but um so you know i i you know we i've had a lot of fun here but you know gi joe they taught us that uh, knowing is half the battle what do you think yeah. the other half is if knowing is half the battle the other half is making sure as a bad guy you stuff the trunk with explosives <laughs> and drugs that's i think that's i think that's it that's gotta be it yeah don't go to we've, jail. Just we've seen it so up. many times. It's got to be there, right? <laughs> That's good. That's better than mine. Mine was uh, <laughs> if knowing is half the battle, the other half is having a crazy partner to make you rethink your retirement plans. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good one too. That's a good yeah. one too, for sure. <laughs> I hope that you enjoyed this special replay of the totally rad Christmas episode about Lethal Weapon, which I was a guest co-host on. As you can tell, Jerry D is a great guy and an avid 80s fan. So if you like this one, you should go check out his other great episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting platform. You can also find more information at totallyradchristmas.com. Well, that's all we got for this episode. If you loved it, then please leave us a stellar written review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Be sure to follow or subscribe and tell your 80s flick-loving family and friends all about us. You can also find us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Support the show through buymeacoffee.com and buy a t-shirt or sweatshirt from the website. That's it. Thank you guys for listening. I'm Tim Williams for the 80s Flip Flashback Podcast. Good night, good people. playing on a cell phone near you a show for all the manly men out there where guys talk about their favorite movies and what they can teach us about being a man featuring the coolest guests murder somebody is not like killing an ant the most gratifying laughs it's tombstone what can i say (laughs) (laughs) and a fresh take on movies like you've never heard before this will be the thing that gets written on his proverbial tombstone. We aren't here to criticize the movies you love, but to praise them for how they apply to our lives as husbands, fathers, and really all men in general. So buckle up your seatbelts, because Manly Movies is here. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or your other favorite podcast catcher. And remember, man up. Hey, everybody. Do you ever just sit around with your friends and reminisce about the days and how things used to be when you were a kid or a teenager or maybe even a young adult? The TV shows and the movies that you watched at the time and how things just aren't quite the same today? 
Well, let me tell you, I've got the place for you. My name is Chris Adams, and I'm the host of the podcast Retro Life for You. And here at Retro Life for You, we talk about and discuss movies and TV that is retro. And we are going back from the 80s and the 90s and into the 2000s. Hey, sometimes we might even touch back to the 70s if we're feeling good. If this is for you, make sure you look for us on everywhere that you can find your podcast at. Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, Google, Stitcher, or hosted on Anchor FM. And make sure you follow us on all the major networks and leave us a rating and a review. It really does help. Look forward to hearing from you. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.